there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Sharp Money is live on your Tuesday, live from Bar Canada at the D in downtown Las Vegas. I'm Ben Wilson in for Patrick today. Amal Shaw is here. Dustin Sweetelson, our producer, is here. And oh boy, Amal, do we have a lot to get to in the National Football League? John Scott, Spectrum News One, Buffalo Bills reporter, joins us in a half hour because that's where we begin. Buffalo Amal is now two to one to make the playoffs. Eight and a half is the in-season win total. Just fire the OC, Ken Dorsey. Are you in total sell-off now of Buffalo? Are there still some redeeming qualities left for this team? It doesn't appear to be a lot. Four turnovers yesterday against any other team that's competent offensively, they would have gotten blown out. You look at this Denver team, they started the ball at an average drive margin of, at their own 39-yard line. To only come out of this game with a one-point win really is more of an indictment on the uh, Denver Broncos offense. To me, when you look at this Denver team, they had to get the ball more to Javante Williams. He was tremendous in that last drive. Russell Wilson wasn't bad. He's gotten a lot of criticism. Dustin pointed it out a few weeks ago. He goes, look at Russell's numbers. They're far better than you thought. By the way, um, the North Florida Ospreys couldn't hit water if they fell off oh. the boat last night. But I can tell you one thing. Russell Wilson didn't throw a pick either. And he doesn't generally throw a lot of picks. You go back to his freshman year at NC State, 16 touchdowns, one INT. His season at Wisconsin, I think he was 33-5 and five in terms of numbers. He's not a guy. He's had two double-digit interception seasons in his career. His accuracy is generally very good. He had a couple of errant throws yesterday, but nothing in the sense that you felt like was going to get picked off. And quickly on the Broncos before we do the deep dive into the Bills, is it just a classic case of every single year, Maul, you get a team that looks so bad out of the gates, first two, three weeks, that we forget as a collective betting community, the season in the NFL is 17 games. No team outside of, say, the 08 Detroit Lions or the Hugh Jackson like Cleveland Browns a few years ago is actually that horrific all season. And that maybe we just said, okay, time to forget about the Broncos. They're done way, way too prematurely. It seems like that's the case to me. Yeah, I didn't think Denver was going to be where they are right now. I didn't think they were that good of a team. I thought Russell Wilson was done. I was wrong on that. Sean Payton's done a better job with him. They've had some injuries. The offensive line play has been bad. I mean, that's an understatement. But you're absolutely right, Ben. Four and five. I mean, the Bengals are five and four. The Texans are five and four. You've got a glut of teams. The Chargers at four and five. The Jets at four and five. So there's an opportunity here. This thing is far from over. I think they're a lot more competitive than they've been early in the season. 
You look at some of the losses for certain teams, you go, boy, if they could have gotten that Washington win or win here or there, things would be very, very different for a lot of these teams right now. You can say that. You're right about maybe half the league. Five yeah. and a half to one right now, the Broncos to make the playoffs at this juncture. But you look at where Buffalo was going to go after last night, started in the postgame press conference with head coach Sean McDermott, had a couple interesting things right out of the shoot in his postgame press conference. We'll fire up clip number one from Coach McDermott after that 24-22 loss last night. I don't think everything we're doing is wrong. Um, there was some good football being played and, and some good football being coached. Um, that said, um, it needs to be better. And um, you can't turn the ball over and you can't start by giving the team their starting field position at the minus 40-yard line. That's, that's not how you win in this league. So um, we've got to play better and move the football, score points on a more consistent basis. And then, and then the special teams piece has to factor in as far as field position and covering kicks, covering punts. Um, and certainly I'm not turning a blind eye to the defense. There's things we can do better there as well. Well, Sean McDermott says uh, there's some good coaching in there. I don't think he maybe was including O.C. Ken Dorsey in that, and he follows up that comment when he's asked, does something drastic have to be done? Here was McDermott's response. I think, you know, I, I need a little bit of time here just after the game to, to assess that. Um, obviously, I'm not real happy right now, so, um, you know, I'll evaluate that and, and uh, over the next 24 hours here and, and see where it takes us. I'm confident, um, but I believe we can be better at the same time. All right, thanks for telling us how you really feel, Sean. And then a few hours later, I'm all gone is the OC Ken Dorsey. Is this just a classic case of Dorsey, the obvious scapegoat, or is he deserving of getting canned here? No, I think he's a scapegoat. I think the one thing that needs to be looked at very seriously is Josh Allen's a turnover machine. I think until we start to realize that Josh Allen is no longer a top five quarterback in this league, then you can reevaluate Buffalo more accurately. I mean, you cannot have a quarterback. What is that, his fifth consecutive game with an INT? I mean, it's just unbelievable in terms of what he does in terms of turning the football over sixth, right? I mean, this is unbelievable. Dustin with that quick thumbs up. I like that. And Dustin's all over. Well, I was going to say, I mean, I know they fired Ken Dorsey, but they probably should have fired the defensive coordinator because you know who it is? Sean McDermott. It's Sean yeah, McDermott no, I get right that, now. But, no, I'll tell you, they should have fired a special teams coach. How do you have 12 guys out on the most important play of the game? That's also kind well, of Well, they had the wrong issue. personnel on the field before that is the issue. They were in dime, they were in dime which they didn't need to be because they were only going to have kneel downs the rest of the game. And with that, there was a, a change in personnel, and they were late to the party. Uh, this is actually a really good – glad I'm with you here today, Maul, for just the in-game clock management standpoint of this. I want your take because – Buffalo, there was, what, 25 seconds on the clock when the Bills take their second of three timeouts, clearly trying to prevent Denver from running the clock all the way down. But what Buffalo did by calling the two timeouts back-to-back, -back, you basically forced Denver into automatically going for the, all right, let's take the knee, have plenty of time to get our field goal unit out there. They had a full 20 seconds, really, to get everything set up. Would you have played that any different if you're Sean McDermott? Not really. I mean, they were in a tough spot, right? They had two timeouts remaining. They didn't have three. So you're going to be in a situation where all you're going to do is allow them to get more yardage. And so, it, I mean, look, once the P.I. was called, it came down to whether Will Lutz was going to make it. When he misses the first kick, I'm like, he's automatic on the second one. He's too good oh, of a kicker. Yeah. Right? You get a bad kick on the first one. A player like him, he's not an inexperienced guy. I mean, he had a cannon in New Orleans. That's why uh, Sean Payton was more than happy to bring him in. 
And so you knew he was going to make that second one. I just don't think you can make that mistake. You've got to be aware of how many players are on the field at that point in time. That's the only thing you're looking to do. You're, you're not going to realistically probably block that kick. Yeah. 41 yards is just a standard kick in the National Football League. And missed opportunity there. Um, I thought Buffalo was trying to do an effective job when they got the ball down there. And they basically had uh, Josh Allen run after the first down play. They'd taken some time off the clock. It was a tough scenario. The problem is the defense got to make a play. I like the blitz call. The P.I. unfortunately beat them. And I'll tell you, Troy Aikman made a great point. He goes, Jerry Judy didn't come back to the ball hard enough. It wasn't as egregious of a P.I. call as it would appear, but it was still definitely an interference. It, the, the one, I guess, alternative you could have done if you're Buffalo, you let the clock run to, say, 14 seconds. Then you take the timeout. You're basically forcing Denver. Because at 14 seconds, that's really hard to go, all right, let's take the kneel down, do the fire drill. Get they're not going to kneel out. down. What they're going to do is they're going to snap the ball and he's going to throw it out of bounds. You at least force you at least force them to do something different, though. Then the I would argue the fire drill, as much as we think that's a hard play, it's really it's really simple when you've got that much time. I, I can appreciate what you're saying, but the reason why I'd rather have them do it on the kneel down than a throw out of bounds because number one, the clock has stopped, so they got a full 40 seconds. In this case, yep. they don't have a full 40 seconds. And one other thing that could happen that doesn't happen on an incomplete pass in all likelihood: if you have a false start, you're going to wind up with a 10-second runoff. The game's over. Yeah. That, no, that's totally fair. I think it's just worth the discussion because yeah. these are the deep divey things. I like your perspective on them all. Well, thank I, you. The, <laughs> no, I mean, no, I, we, we always talk about all clock time. management when we get yes. when we get together on it. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. But to me, the one concern that I always have when you're rushing teams on and off special teams, you could wind up with a false start, and that 10 second runoff is the difference between winning or losing the game. But it reverts back to what was there a running clock on the previous play, and on an incompletion, yeah. you wouldn't have that. That's the only thing I could think that could prevent potentially Buffalo from being in that scenario. Okay, on the Buffalo offensive side, you fire OC Ken Dorsey. Am I not crazy for thinking that amidst this current generation of quarterbacks, in which we always do the whole media comp thing? And when Patrick Mahomes for Kansas City was coming up, everybody wanted to say, all right, this is the new Brett Favre, gunslinger, guy's got a cannon, can throw it the length of the field. Isn't Josh Allen the obvious of this current crop of quarterbacks, a current crop that at least among the elite level has gotten so much better at protecting the football, not giving the ball away? Allen is this generation's Favre. You have no idea when he's going to kill you with a horrifically timed turnover. 13 now leads the entire NFL 11 picks this season. Well, a couple things with Josh Allen, first of all. I, I think he's a very good quarterback overall. I never thought he was great, but I thought he became elite when Stephon Diggs arrived in 2020. Stephon Diggs had three 100-yard seasons, 1,200 yards or more in three consecutive years. He's been the difference maker. They haven't been able to get him the ball throughout the last four games. Dalton Schultz, Schultz has been the leading receiver on this team. Um, as good as you mentioned, the comparison is between Favre and Allen because the turnovers. The one thing I would look at when I uh, when I sit there and I point to um, Brett Favre is he just seemed like he could make the big play when it matters most. Um, you know, he obviously had the turnovers as well. He had a ton of them. I mean, twice he led the NFL. <laughs> I mean, in, tw in 2005, Brett Favre had 29 INTs. How do you have 29 interceptions? Justin, do you remember that 05 Packers team? They were Donald Driver. Yes. Yeah. They were well. He was on a lot of those teams, but the, that, that team. That okay. Here's how bad the 2005 Packers were. They went to Baltimore on a Monday night when the Ravens were starting Kyle Bowler, and were just a just an average, standard, mediocre team. Green Bay lost 48 to three. It's the biggest blowout in modern Monday night history, <laughs> and, and that was uh, Rogers' debut as a rookie. I'd say off the field, Josh Allen reminds me of Brett Favre more because he's a complete fraud. Oh, you're going there. You don't see Josh Allen at any Wrangler commercials, though. I mean. Well, they're trying to sell jeans, not to get people to not look, to buy the product. Look, do we have to have a discussion <laughs> yeah. in Buffalo about the fact that, look, uh, Patrick, who's not here today, has been saying he wants Ben Johnson to stay with the Lions, them to let Dan Campbell go if they're going to lose their OC. 
is there a case to be made that losing Brian Dable, you lost the only semblance of Josh Allen being an NFL, like, top-tier quarterback? You can make that argument, but then what the hell is Brian Dayball doing with Daniel Jones, uh, Tommy DeVito, and Tyrod Taylor? Hold on. You could, we could literally take all three of their DNA and combine it together <laughs> in a lab, and it wouldn't come close to the skills that Josh Allen is. I think that the frustrating part about Josh Allen for me is that it's all there. The most, one of the most unique skill sets we've ever seen, and the thing we can't fix is that he has this overbelief in his huge arm to make throws that yes. he can't make. I, I think that's a great point, but I'll just counter it with this. My team's not dumb enough to sign Daniel Jones for four for 160. Well, no. Th dude, look at the contract. Everyone keeps saying this. They can get out of the contract after, after year two, two years. Yeah, why would I pay a guy $80 million when he's worth about $8 million? Uh, Because he has a bad neck, and his bad neck's going to lead to Caleb Williams. Well, I, I do now think that's really forward thinking, Dustin. If you're going, if you're going that far, yeah. If he's so bad, you're going to get a top pick. Dustin, I mean, if he's Dustin good, you're playing going to chess while the entire, the entire fraternity of NFL GMs and all just playing checkers, apparently. <laughs> I don't know what Dustin's doing sitting here, though. I, I just, my I thing is this. I think what Washington did was actually a good example of what you should do. You should franchise quarterbacks that you don't think are truly franchise quarterbacks. Sure. Let's flip this forward, though, because Buffalo, season totally on the line, laying seven against the New York Jets. Well, that's fine, but here's week. the thing. Why are you find Dorsey? They're averaging 26.2 points per game. He's not the problem. Clearly not. We'll talk about that when we return. Sharp Money underway on your Tuesday. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. prices for over 30 years you'll always find what you love and love what you find only at total wine and more drink responsibly 
must be 21 plus. We're back on Sharp Money. More Bills talk in just a second, but you ready them all for next Sunday night? We get more Russell Wilson primetime for the Denver Broncos. And now it's a, it's a compelling game, though, because they host Minnesota, who with the sudden resurgence led by quarterback Josh Dobbs, this is a huge game with potential fringe playoff implications. As much as Denver's still five and a half to one to make the postseason, uh, Broncos will get into the line here and, and where the movement has gone early. But quarterback Russell Wilson, post game, he's buying in this Bronco team. Apparently, they're back. Here was Russ last night. Yeah, I mean, I think Coach Payton has done a great job of, you know, changing this culture and really impacting us as, you know, as players. Uh, the whole coaching staff has been amazing. Um, you know, we're in this thing together. You know, we're battling together. We're fighting together. And, uh, you know, we're, we, uh, we believe in us. You know, and I know Broncos country believes in us too. Broncos country, we're back. I'm all, look ahead was two and a half for Denver at home. Short favorites against Minnesota. Reopened two before Monday night after the Vikings win. We've been toggling back and forth anywhere from two, two and a half. I see a couple of books maybe trending toward juiced one and a halves, but another one of these NFL games where it is lower total, very tightly lined. Yeah, I was unaware he was running for Congress. Yeah, he, that's a good point. He sounds like if David Koresh played quarterback. <laughs> sounds like he's in a cult, man. <laughs> oh, David Koresh. Koresh, yeah. It's like, who the hell is David Koresh? Whatever. I, I do what Wait, you were no, trying we, to we say, ain't but. coming out. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. He freaks me. I don't know why when Russell Wilson speaks, it, like, freaks my soul out. Like, I, he's been hypnotized by someone, and it, it scares me. I thought Dustin was going to drop a, a Dennis Kucinich comp of, uh, I, yeah, I, I, for, I vote former, for peace. Former yeah. congressman See, from that, Ohio. That's, that, that's, what I, that's what I'm here to do. I'll set you up. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you look at the schedule for this team. It's very manageable. Vikings at home on Sunday night. The Browns in another situational spot a week later. And the reason why I say that, that's going to be a team you're competing with directly head-to-head -head in terms of the playoffs. Ben, if they were to be able to eke out those two wins, and then you go to Houston. Winnable game. Texans playing well defense is better if Devin Singletary who they call motor down there is giving him some run like he is this past weekend 30 for 150 in a house call this team's going to be dangerous in terms of the Texans at the Chargers at Lions probably their toughest game on the schedule Patriots Chargers and then close out at the Raiders this team is very much alive I like the bet you just suggested at five five and a half to one I think there's a possibility the Denver Broncos when you look at the standings right now in the AFC there's just too many teams. There's a glut of teams. They're sitting there at 5-4. and four. You've got the Bengals, the Colts, the Buffalo Bills, Raiders, Chargers, Jets, Broncos, all at 5-4 five, at five and four or worse, all the way down to 4-5. and five. So you've got six teams right there. I'm sorry, seven teams right there. This thing could go any which way. Injuries could play a role in it. But I don't know. I think there's a level of confidence right now with Denver. They've won three in a row. They didn't look great in any of the games. But they're finding ways to win, and I think you have to give credit in the NFL when a team finds a way to win. Imagine if you took under 8.5 on Denver, and you thought, oh, that ticket was cashed week three. Yeah. In-season win totals now, five. it's now 7.5, and, and it's juiced over. So there's a real path like you talk about. And since the week four game against Chicago, and Denver finally got off the schneid but looked bad in doing so, 31-20, it went over the Bears. You look at the numbers since then, Amal. 13th in overall EPA per play defense for the Denver side. So it's, it went from worst defense in some circles of all time through four weeks to now totally respectable. But the question is, you have a quarterback in the other side in Josh Dobbs from Minnesota who has just completely revitalized this Viking season. How much are we thinking that is smoke and mirrors through two weeks and, and how much of this De Denver resurgence is actually real? Well, I still think the Saints have a solid defense. So to do what they did in the first half against New Orleans says a lot about Dobbs and the Minnesota offense without Justin Jefferson, without Kirk Cousins. 
The problem is the lack of consistency in the running game for Minnesota. If they have consistency there, I think it becomes a lot more dangerous. See, one thing you have to give Josh Dobbs credit, and what I like about him is he's not going to get you beat. He's not necessarily going to win for you by himself, but he can help be a catalyst in that. Where you have a quarterback like Josh Allen, he can help beat a team by himself, but he might also might, excuse me, he may get you beat by himself as well. Think about this. Last night he throws two picks. C.J. Stroud, nine games, got uh, two interceptions, and he's a rookie quarterback. And by the way, I'll tell you right now, when you look at Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator with the uh -huh. Houston Texans, I don't think he's aware outside of this last game against Cincinnati, he's allowed to run the ball more than 20 times a game. He's like, yo, C.J., <laughs> just get back out there. We're going to sling it, man. This is like we're playing in the Pac-12. Well, it was almost like the loss of Carolina for Houston. It was, it was so vanilla and they ran so much that yeah. people said okay what are you guys doing you have cj stroud uh as far as the line for sunday night dustin amal get, get your guys take on this as a teaser leg you're talking about a minnesota team yes. playing with a much improved defense you're you're getting eight teasing them through three and seven on the road and we feel like what you, you talked about them all there is trust you can have in qb josh so, but i i do have some concerns though like so week one at the falcons was a bit of a fluke for dobbs like what happened is not sustainable. Now, week two goes out and does it at home. Both of those games in a dome. Now we're going to the elements. We're on the road in Denver. It's going to be louder. And I understand we all love Josh Dobbs. Amal and I have been hyping him up since like week two on this show. But I do have some concerns that that's where the, the lack of continuity, the lack of grasping the offense could come into play. I, I don't think that's a bad point. You look at the schedule for Minnesota the rest of the way. They've got a bunch of dome road teams at the Raiders. Uh, they play at the Lions, and so you've got an opportunity there. But I, I get what you're saying, and I, we'll see. I don't think the weather would be as much of a factor. You know, Denver has the perception because they get a lot of snow, but it doesn't stay, right, because it melts away pretty quick in that market. Um, I think they'll be fine. I don't think the noise will be as much of a factor. It could be a concern. But to me, can they get off to a fast start? Can they do what they've been doing? Can the defense rise up when they need to? They did that against the Saints on Sunday. I, I think you make a good argument on both sides of it. Yes, Dobbs has played well, but at the same time, can he continue to do it? That remains to be seen. So I teaser like I'd still feel pretty comfortable. You're getting oh, eight, 43, 43 and a half right now, your total. You know, it's interesting. Steve Fezzik comes on the show. He talks about he can't bet the teasers because the price has gotten too high. I, I can appreciate where he's coming from. I would argue, though, you look at the teasers in the National Football League. Last night became the sixth game, right, this weekend where we had a game-winning field goal? I mean, to me, you have to play these teasers. Who the hell is Denver beating by eight or nine points? You could every week just tease against Atlanta, and you're basically, if you're, if you're finding the right legs, you're just printing money, essentially, for how the season has gone. Well, you know who's going to be another potential leg this week? And I don't know how much confidence you can really have in this. It's Buffalo laying seven at home to the Jets. Rematch of week one. We'll start here, Malt. This was... Buffalo laying two and a half at the Meadowlands with Aaron Rodgers for week one. Let's just say by power ratings, you're downgrading the Jets four points from Rodgers to Zach Wilson. You could argue it could be more. So if we're comparing the line to week one, if it was the if it was Wilson starting week one for the Jets, would have been Buffalo laying six, six and a half on the road. So you flip three points for home field and you probably get to Bills like nine and a half, maybe even 10 on the road. Now we're at Bills minus seven. Do you feel like three is enough of an adjustment or do we even need to go further here on this Buffalo team? Well, first of all, I would say it's about a six or seven point adjustment with Rodgers to Zach Wilson. It's probably okay. a full seven because of how poorly Zach Wilson and continues that's fair. to play. Yeah. But also, um, you know, they're not giving as much in terms of home field advantage at the three points. I think you get the full freight when Seattle's going well and Kansas City. Other teams just, they don't give as much credit. Buffalo in a tough week, right? You make a 
changed now. It becomes a little bit more difficult to prepare for a team. Now that Ken Dorsey is no longer the OC, you don't have some of his tendencies that would come into play if you're looking at it from a Jets perspective. Look, I'm generally not a big fan of teasing down in the NFL, but I get where you're coming from on this one. If you're going to tease down, the other game I would look at is Jacksonville potentially, but maybe take the Titans plus 12 and a half in this particular spot. But, but to me, if you're looking at a teaser leg this weekend, I, I would probably look at a couple of scenarios. I, I would probably look at the Browns getting, I'm sorry, the Steelers getting nine and a half. Um, and then I would take a look at the Minnesota Vikings catching the points there. And then how about the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday night catching nine, going from three to nine with that team against Kansas sure. City? I mean, we got a Super Bowl rematch, I think the second time only in Monday night football history. You've got two teams that have gotten off to fast starts this year. The Chiefs are playing great football, but they're flying under the radar. Philly's having another good year. People don't believe they're playing as well as they were last year. So just from a teaser standpoint, I think those are a couple of plays you could potentially make. I think the biggest problem is people will make the teaser play. It's a one o'clock window, so they're going to play the teaser with another game at that window. Then they might might play the late game with the window then or the Sunday night with the Monday night. Just find your two best plays and put them together. Don't worry about necessarily whether it yeah. staggers over to this week or next week. And I think that's your best option. Yeah, conviction should rule the roost ultimately. This Buffalo Jets game, though, look at it was six and a half. Now we're at seven after the Bills lay another stink bomb on national TV. You combine that, though, with the Jets' lack of offensive cohesion. And, you know, to be clear, like I'm saying, three-point swing in home field, just you get – Let's say one, one and a half for the Jets, one and a half for Buffalo to get to that combined three-point swing. Do we, you know, I look at the, the, the Bills at this point and go, can you really trust them laying seven against anybody, especially a top ten defensive unit like the Jets? Here's how I would make the comparison. Do you think the Jets right now are better than Denver, the same or worse? That's a really good, that's a really good question. I would say on the whole, a I'd say about the same. You're significantly yeah. better on defense, significantly worse on offense, and it's I, somewhere right right around the same number. I think your assessment is fair, and so you got a comparable line, right? Last night, the line went from eight to seven and a half. So Denver sitting at seven and a half, similar number here with the Jets. The one thing that bodes well for New York, less travel. You got a, what an hour flight up to Buffalo, and then you've got a team you're familiar with. Um, the challenge here for the Jets is in this game, can they run the ball effectively and then can Zach Wilson make a few intermediate throws without turning it over? If they can do that, they have a chance. You know, Sunday would kill them was the Spillane pick. I think they would have yeah. a chance to score. I don't know if they would have scored, but they had an opportunity. So it gets intriguing at this point in time. I get your point on the teaser here. Um, you know, but also I'm probably not the right person to ask when it comes to the uh, Jets here, right, Dustin? I mean, <laughs> I mean, look. Uh, Amal has stuck on the, the Jets more than I've stuck on carbs this year. Oh, boy. <laughs> Knew that was coming. Hey, if you if you like the Jets' defense this week, just go under 40 I, I think is what have, I would also Any say. other team in the National Football League has the Jets' defense. I don't care what offense. You put them in Houston, they're the favorite to win the Super Bowl. I don't that think that's not that crazy of a statement, to be honest. We'll get, because we're not, we don't, haven't had enough Jet talk yet. Uh, Jets, Bills, we'll talk more Buffalo Jets right after this on Sharp Money. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. With so many games on the board, there's no better time to put the VSIN experts to work for you. Become a VSIN Pro subscriber today and get access to our daily best bets with a leaderboard to see which VSIN expert has the hot hand. Betting splits to show you where the money and bets are moving for every game, plus betting systems, premium analysis, and 24 7 video access. Sign up today and get your first 30 days for only 19 bucks to see everything VSIN has to up your betting game. Visit VSIN.com slash subscribe to sign up now another break another uh, producer Dustin Sweetelson moment of all just ripping things that we love ripping tennis that's the latest thing come on Dustin 
ATP Finals going on right now. We'll, we'll check in with them all in a few minutes to see if he's got anything live with the uh, Novak Djokovic match underway against Yannick Sinner. Right now, though, we want to continue the Buffalo Bills discussion as we go out to Buffalo right now. Welcome in John Scott from Spectrum News 1 in Buffalo. Uh, he'll be talking with head coach Sean McDermott here in a little bit. So uh, thanks for giving us some time. Before you jump on the line with Coach McDermott, uh, your first reaction, though, to the firing of OC Ken Dorsey, surprised that he was the guy chosen to be the, the fall man for this latest struggle of Buffalo, or was this to be expected? A little bit of both. I don't, <clears throat> excuse me, mean to do a cop-out, but <clears throat> last night's performance, I put far more on the players. Just poor execution, turnovers, dropped passes, fumbles, 12 men on the field, which isn't even an offensive issue. <clears throat> it ultimately, though, if you look at the entire body of work, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry about that. You look at the entire body of work of Ken Dorsey in a year and a half, and especially this past six-game stretch, it just hasn't been good enough, and a lot of that, I think, is reasonable put on the coaching staff. John, is it just the lack of consistency game to game? Because this is a team that averaged 28.4 points per game last year, averaging 26.2 points per game this year. From a scoring standpoint, just on the surface looking at it, it doesn't seem like an alarming issue over 26, uh, 27 games. But is it just more than that in terms of the play calling? Because you follow the team very closely. So the back half of last season – while the numbers statistically had them arguably the best offense in all of football, it just didn't look right. It didn't feel right. It looked like and felt like such a struggle. And even though the results were not necessarily indicating that going into this past offseason, there was a lot of conversation of Ken Dorsey needs to be a better offensive coordinator. He needs to be a better play caller. You didn't see it against the Jets in the opener, but the next three games, and in particular, putting up 48 on the Dolphins at home October 1st, you're like, okay. They're home and again, Dorsey is doing what he needs to do. And ever since then, they went to London. They came back six games. It's been a struggle, a mighty, mighty struggle. You say that they're averaging over 26 points a game. They haven't hit that mark over the last six games. Josh Allen has regressed. His decision-making has regressed. They seem very predictable. They have far too many three and outs. It's bland. It's plain. Nothing that the Buffalo Bills offensive old looked like and felt like and was producing like has been seen for the past month and a half. And, and that's why I say I wasn't surprised that Ken Dorsey ultimately was the one to go. Again, John Scott joining us right now. Give him a follow at John Scott as we're talking Buffalo Bills right now. So often when you see a midseason coordinator firing, it means the head coach understands, okay, seat's starting to get warm. Just how hot do you think the seat is now for the head coach of the Bills, Sean McDermott? I know from an outside perspective, pitchforks and uh, torches and everything like that. The fan base is starting to get really, really unsettled. It started with 13 seconds, that crazy ending to the Chiefs playoff game a few years ago. Then they lost in basically getting dominated by the Bengals in the postseason, the divisional round last year. Now they're 5-5 five and five at the midway point and really a long shot to make the playoffs. So the noise is getting louder. Internally, though, I believe that Sean McDermott is absolutely safe going into next season. He signed a contract extension that coincides with general manager Brandon Bean this past summer. And listen, Terry Pagula owns the Buffalo Bills and the Buffalo Sabres. And since he took over those franchises, there's been a lot of turnover at the top with both. Sean McDermott has been the most stabilizing force that the owner Pagula has dealt with in either franchise. So to me, it's going to take a lot to disrupt things and go back to the way it used to be looking for a new head coach. It's something that has not necessarily been 
a forte of Pagula in terms of evaluating. He got lucky with McDermott. He then brought in his people to make this successful. So I think 2024 is when I believe the conversation really can ramp up in terms of is Sean McDermott playing for his job? On behalf of people in Las Vegas here, we thank you for Jack Eichel. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. Also, <laughs> what I mentioned, you mentioned Joe Brady is going to be the new OC. I got to be honest with you. I'm not thrilled about this from a Buffalo standpoint. He's the quarterback's coach there the last couple of years was the OC in Carolina for, in 20 and 21 gets fired by Matt Rule halfway through the season. From your perspective of covering the team, how much of a positive impact do you believe he'll have? It's interesting because we don't really know much about Joe Brady. We haven't heard much from Joe Brady since he was named quarterback's coach before last season. We haven't really seen a whole lot of him. He's out there in the practice field. He's working with Josh Allen. Haven't seen a whole lot of interaction or communication from what our vantage point is between Ken Dorsey and Joe Brady. So I don't honestly know exactly what to expect. We know his track record that's really heavily rooted in that magnificent historic run with Joe Burrow and LSU a few years ago in college. We know it didn't really work out in a very talent deficient Carolina position that he was in a couple of years ago. So I don't really know. I also really don't know what anyone at this point in the season, 10 games in can do to an offense mid season. I don't think it's realistic for him to change a whole lot of things because there's a lot of pieces that then have to change as well. You just need to really maybe take what the system was with Brian Dable that Ken Dorsey kind of carried over, fine tune it and maybe lean more into what has been proven to be successful and what Josh Allen and the other offensive players are most comfortable with. It's sharp money here on VEASAN talking Buffalo Bills with John Scott. We were mentioning earlier, John, how Buffalo now two to one to make the playoffs by far the longest odds they've had since the season got underway. So much of the focus though is on offense. How do you see any defensive improvement happening? A team that was top five against the run top 12 against the pass last year. Now below league average in both categories with two key starters, Matt Milano and Trey white now out injured. And Daquan Jones also on the defensive line. I think he's an under the radar guy that maybe people outside of Buffalo don't realize how impactful he truly is and makes the rest of that entire front four really hum. They also, Micah Hyde starting safety was out. Christian Benford starting cornerback was out last night. Only two guys in that entire defense have not missed time this season due to injuries. I actually think while the statistics aren't up to the standard of the past that we've seen from this Bills defense, Considering all the injuries and the guys they've lost and the guys that they're playing right now, I think Sean McDermott as the defensive play caller and that unit as a whole has done one heck of an admirable job to keep them in football games. They did not lose last night to the Denver Broncos because of the defense. I know they allowed that touchdown and get them in position late in the football game, but they did enough that the offense didn't pull their weight. Same thing. Same thing can go for a couple other weeks during this six game stretch here. So defensively, they're not going to be the top tier unit considering the guys that they've lost. But I think they have done a great job considering the circumstances. And so I think they've been put in good positions. They've had good coaching and they still have some good players out there that they have done what they need to do to this point to keep the bills in terms of winning. They're facing some high powered offenses, though, down the stretch. When you look at this team right now and the rest of the AFC, they dominate against uh, the Miami Dolphins. They're still going to have an opportunity for a rematch later in the season. Is it out of the question to say they can still win the division despite where they are at the standings 5-5? Five and five. Miami right now to win the East is minus 450. And you saw that game. What out of Miami against any competent team like Buffalo or anyone better than Buffalo have they shown us that makes the Miami Dolphins such a prohibitive favorite? Well good thing for the Dolphins then their schedule doesn't put them up against a lot of the teams that are above 500 that they 
appear to not play up to their standard against the Bills. On the contrary, though, they have the Eagles. They have the Chiefs. They have the Cowboys. They have the Chargers. And then they have the Dolphins as well. That's five of their final seven games here, including also upcoming a Jets team that beat them in the opener and also beat them last year, both with Zach Wilson at the quarterback spot. Long shot is exactly where the Buffalo Bills should be in terms of making the postseason. But the AFC East is the only way that that is going to happen. Impossible? I don't believe so, especially with the game in hand and the last one in week 18 against the Miami Dolphins. But it's going to be a tall task because they're going to have to beat teams that they're going to be underdogs against. And, and the, that's a spot the Bills have not been in much recently. That Bills 4-1 to one now to win the AFC East. I mentioned 2-1 to one there to make the playoffs. John, before we let you go, you have the rematch this week hosting the Jets, seven-point favorites market-wide. What's the edge if there is one in the Bills-Jets rematch? I got to tell you, I said it on my podcast after the game last night. I don't know how you could be confident the Bills could beat anybody at this point, regardless of what their, their opponent has looked like coming into the game. I know what Zach Wilson is. I know what that offense is. They're not that much different than the offense the Bills faced week one, and they still lost that football game because the Bills have been beating themselves. We'll see if this coaching change at the coordinator spot gives them a jolt. Maybe it refocuses them. Maybe they find their way a bit to play a little bit better and more like the Bills offense we've grown accustomed to. But Robert Sala and that Jets defense has given Josh Allen issues, even if they've won the football game last year. It's going to be a tall task. I think the Bills could win the football game because I just think they're a better football team. But it's going to probably be another tough sliding in the way it's been for the majority of this season. Now laying seven with a total of 40. Check John out on the Buffalo End Zone podcast as well as Spectrum News 1 in Buffalo at John Scott TV. Really appreciate the time, John. Thanks again. Hey, thanks, guys. Thank you. We will get into more Week 11 NFL topics. Amal Shaw brought up the Houston Texans in our last segment. I want to get his thoughts out. The Texans are laying the biggest number they have laid all season. We'll dive into that as we return right here on the Tuesday edition of Sharp Money. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw.
on VSIN, the sports betting network. In the NBA, the game can change in an instant, but no matter how the action unfolds, you know DraftKings Sportsbook has your back. This week, new customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets just for betting five bucks on basketball. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHARP. The crown is yours. We'll have some more basketball talk. Big college basketball night. A lot of NBA action as well in the in-season tournament. You have any action on uh, Novak Djokovic, Yannick Sinner right now? ATP Finals tomorrow? I do not, but it should be a good match. I know it's ongoing right now. When I looked last, it was 3-2 in the first set. Now, on serve there, three apiece. Djokovic about $1.60 favorites. Uh, it must have been about a 20-minute service Sinner. game because I looked at that like 15 minutes ago. Uh, not That's not uh, uncommon when you have Novak Djokovic you're trying to hold serve against, that's is what, true. I, what I would say uh, on the other side. We'll continue the NFL talk going, though, right now because Houston Texans, they have been a darling for betters all season, unbelievable as underdogs. But fascinated your take them all this week because so far as a favorite this year, Houston's 0-2 against the number, and now we're laying as many points as they have had to lay all season long. Four-point favorites market-wide now against the Arizona Cardinals with quarterback Kyler Murray back into the fold. Where do you stand now on the matchup this week for the Texans? Well, earlier in the season, I thought this would be an easy situation for the Texans if you're in a survivor type of contest or something similar where Houston would be able to win. Now it's going to be a lot more challenging. Murray bring, comes back, brings an element that's so hard to contain, which is his mobility from his scrambling. Uh, we saw the success he had on that big third down and play, gets the conversion there. Cardinals were able to get the win as they get a game-winning field goal in that spot last weekend against the Atlanta Falcons. But I think the Texans are playing with such confidence right now when you look at the last two weeks um, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 46 seconds, two timeouts. They go right down the field needed a touchdown this week. One timeout, they go right down the field. They get the field goal. They win the game with a backup kicker in Amendola. I love the way this Texans team is playing. By the way, we were talking about on Monday, Patrick, Dustin, and I. D uh, ben, there was no doubt in our minds when Houston got the ball, they were going down. And it was just a matter of whether they are going to make the field goal or not. They were getting in field goal range. They over seven yards of play all day yeah. and just completely dominate the box score. I wonder now, just defensively here, Houston team that I've, I really was expecting improvement to be shown, and it has in, in spurts. But since week five, Houston as a whole has been – 28th against the pass, 23rd overall. They have been third against the run now, which is interesting because you get an Arizona team that is run first. Quarterback Kyler Murray's back into the fold, can make plays with his legs. If you are liking Houston, it's because you believe that that defensive scheme that has shown slow, gradual improvement can be the difference against Arizona. What you say, going back the last five, six weeks on uh, Houston? From week five on. So we're talking last six weeks now at data. Yeah, you know, the one thing is I would say, though, they've won three of those four games, right? Against the Saints, the Saints were throwing the ball. Even though the final score is 20 to 13, it was a more dominant performance by Houston. Uh, Saints were really behind in that game throughout the majority of it. The Panthers, kind of hard to say. I thought Carolina, excuse me, Houston played very conservatively in that matchup. The Buccaneers were throwing the ball all over the yard, but they were also in situations where it was a back-and-forth game. And this game against Cincinnati, the final score of three points does not indicate how dominant the Texans were over the Bengals in this game. You get that huge turnover, creates a short field there. Really shouldn't have not, should not have come down to this. I thought it was a dominant performance by Stroud and this team. Uh, but Joe Burrow and company, they had an opportunity to throw for 347, but he had two INTs as well. I'm not concerned about Houston from a defensive standpoint. I think the way that the offense is playing for the Texans allows the defense to be able to take certain risks and chances because they're so comfortable and confident. Dalton Schultz is having a great year. Noah Brown, how about him? 325 yards the last two games receiving. I mean, it's been tremendous what he's been able to do. Tank Dell, he got banged up in that last game against the um, excuse me, against the Bengals. He gets yep. back in the mix. He's been tremendous. Six for 56 and a touchdown last week. 
But they didn't even have Nico Collins. Devin Singletary's been running the ball effectively. I like um, the Houston Texans here. I'm not going to lay four. I think they win the game, though. Isn't a better way to, to play this as much as betting overs in the NFL in 2023 have not been for the faint of heart because of how awful they've been performing. You're looking at a 47.5 total with two bottom 10 performing defenses over the last five, six weeks. You talk all the things you say about Houston completely accurate. Arizona is just a, a mesh of randomly assorted bodies out there. And we saw the you know the bright spots from a quarterback in Kyler Murray as he got more comfortable in his first game back off the ACL tear as things wore on. To me, in, instead of laying four with Houston, 47 and a half over, it's still a bet on the Houston offense. It's just the assumption that, okay, this might be a little bit tighter than expected. Could be more like a 27-24 win, and you, you, you cash your ticket on the over instead. Yeah, 48, big number there. Um, I don't disagree with you, though. When you look at it, this Texans team's done a nice job. They're averaging 24 points per game. Uh, you know, 10th in the National Football League, but really it's the confidence with which they're playing right now. The other thing I love is when you have an over, you're in a dome. You have no concerns here at, down in Houston at Reliance, so should be a pretty effective opportunity for this Texans team. Uh, this is an important game. If Houston's going to take that step forward and potentially catch Jacksonville, this is the kind of game you have to win. You can't lose this kind of game if you're the Houston Texans and you want to be in a position to be able to challenge for a division in the postseason. And then even not this year, but looking forward to next year and going yep. on these are the types of games you have to win. couple of dome teams going at it in Houston. Remember last game in Houston, them all 39-38. So yeah. uh, that easily flew over. While we were talking about that, right behind us here, Bar Canada at the D, part of the Circus Sportsbook community, Baltimore just went to four-point favorites over Cincinnati Thursday night. You surprised by that? I am not. You look at the injuries. Uh, Cincinnati looked depleted. Trey Hendrickson with the knee injury, MRI done, that's a big blow. Then you, of course, had, didn't have Sam Hubbard against uh, C.J. Stroud. That had an impact on the lack of pass rush. We saw uh, T. Higgins out of the lineup. Look, Boyd's a solid receiver, but, man, he missed a couple of great opportunities on Sunday, including one that could have been the game-winning touchdown potentially. So uh, when I look at this team right now, this is a tough, tough spot. Quick turnaround Thursday night game in Baltimore, and the Ravens coming off a home loss. Them, like the Houston Texans, dominated the game. But unlike Houston, who got the victory, the Ravens couldn't close out the Browns in that game. So give the Browns a ton of credit. Lamar, I think, had two picks in that one as well. He's got to play better. So both of these quarterbacks need to play far better. It's fascinating how you look at the Ravens losing left tackle Ronnie Stanley. It feels like about the 18th yeah. time he's gotten hurt this year. But you talk about the Bengals and losing their key edge rusher in Trey Hendrickson. I, I'm, I'll be curious to see where the prop markets go on Lamar Jackson at QB because we've seen so so much good performance through the air, yet he's coming off probably his worst game passing-wise just from a turnover standpoint all year and how that second half played out against Cleveland. Seems like a game where on a short week, everybody's banged up. Bengals have been bad, bottom 10 against the run on, over the last six weeks. It's a game where you might see vintage Jackson and he starts picking up big yardage on the ground. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Look, if you don't have a pass rush against almost anybody in the NFL, but especially Lamar Jackson, you're in serious trouble. And I think that's going to be the concern here. I, I have to tell you, Ben, I think this – I'm not a big fan of laying a big number in the AFC North in these division games. Uh, no. You know, no. Dustin mentioned it yesterday. He said, how can anybody be that big of a favorite? The Browns were a six-and-a-half-point dog in that matchup against the Baltimore yesterday. These division games are tight. But I have to tell you, the Bengals right now with their injuries – they're probably the bottom feeder team right now in the AFC North when you look at it when we're being realistic about it. Two weeks ago, they looked like a team that couldn't be stopped. They go into San Francisco and do exactly what San Francisco did to Jacksonville, maybe by not as large of a margin, but they looked thoroughly dominant. Now, all of a sudden, Joe Burrow in the game Sunday looked inconsistent, looked like he was hobbled. Jamar Chase didn't look like himself. The running game didn't appear to be as effective as it's been in the past. We mentioned the previous injuries there with those guys, four guys, kind of three guys banged up, and so... 
to me, this is a tough spot. You did mention the Ronnie Stanley injury. I remember when he went down in that game against the Browns. But, again, Baltimore seems to have found a way through with the Ronnie Stanley injury. You mentioned it. Ronnie Stanley has been on IR more than he's been healthy the last several years. And so Baltimore's gotten used to what they need to do. I think Lamar and this team get on track here. This is a game that Baltimore wins at home. And looking at it right now, just your updated injury report, four of the projected 11 starters for Cincinnati, all questionable, all going to be severely limited at practice. Well, and I think it's those two guys on defense. Like, not having Hubbard and Hendrickson against Lamar is just absolutely yeah. brutal. He's just going to have his way to shift pockets, to run through, have these huge gaps. You're going to have to rely on some, like, second-year linebackers to step up. I think it's a... I normally, in division, short week, prime time would be all over the dog. This yeah. is a spot where I'm looking to lay the three and a half. Also, T. Higgins questionable on the offensive front for Cincinnati. It goes to the bigger point, too, Amal. You're not only factoring in the current injuries, but Cincinnati this season under D.C. Luana Rumo, who was so lauded for his in-game adjustments last year, 28th against the run, 16th against the pass, bottom 10 overall on, on total season numbers. And as much as all of our focus has been on the improvements for quarterback Joe Burrow coming back from injury, seems like the whole defense has just gotten lost in the shuffle here and how bad they've been. Yeah, I would agree with you there. You mentioned it. And then offensively, Joe Mixon's averaging less than four yards per carry. That's a concern as well. I mean, look, I'm not going to sit there and act like this team's not capable of going into Baltimore at M&T and winning this game. But overall, this is just a bad spot for them. 30th in total yards given up in the National Football League for the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, guys, these guys are giving up 400 yards a game. That's an alarming stat. The Ravens are third at 305 per game. So big difference there. But it, to me, it's the passing yards. Baltimore has been effective at throwing the ball fourth in the NFL, 11th on the run. Um, for, you know, defensively, they're first in points per game. I mean, the, everything right now on paper points to Baltimore. Yeah. And then coupled with the injuries, I think this is a bad spot. I think the number's a little bit short because it's Cincinnati and the perception. If yeah. you actually broke down the injuries, if I said to you, Miles Garrett is not playing, and then you take away, um, who's the guy from Minnesota that went to the Browns this year? Um, drawn a blank. Position? Uh, uh, defensive. Oh, end. Zadarius Smith. Zadarius Smith, right? If you don't have Zadarius Smith and you don't have Miles Garrett in the lineup, you're looking at the Browns going, how are you going to get right. Lamar That's Jackson, right? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're in a tough spot right now. So I just don't see it. And, and another thing that Dustin pointed out yesterday, the other nine guys become worse without Hendrickson and Harvard on the field. Circa the first book to go to Baltimore minus four. Everywhere else, three and a half market wide. That Lamar Jackson rushing prop, as we were talking, got bet up from 43 and a half to 44 and a half at DK, averaging about 48 rushing yards per game on the season. All right, one hour in the books. We'll transition to some college football up next. Our pal Brooks Austin stops by to talk all things CFB next. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.